This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Country music philosopher and wise man, Trace Atkins, once said, this ain't no thinking thing. And well, he was kind of right, at least when it comes to songwriting. So let's talk about it and tick some people off. Welcome to the clan! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. That's what you're going to need to climb up this ladder here. You have to have proof that you can do it, that you know what you're doing, that people like what you're doing, and that you've had success with what you're doing to get those other people to come in. That's how you're going to get the pub deal, the record deal, the management deal, the booking agency. Everything that you want to do to move ahead is going to rely on leverage. That's why we called this the climb, C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. See what we did there? Are you are you smelling what you're stepping in? Are you picking up what we're putting down? <laughs> All right. That's a Baxter name created by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady A, Joe Nichols. Got a couple number ones last year as well in the Southern Gospel market. So he's still pumping hard and fast, ladies and gentlemen. And what I love about Mr. Brent Baxter is he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you write like a pro, do business like a pro. And when you get those two things happening and those pistons popping, he's going to introduce you to the pros, start some relationships, and off you go. You can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. It's complicated, but Johnny's smart. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Harden, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production singular, no S, and there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. We just couldn't handle it if there were. <laughs> How you doing, bro? <laughs> Man, I'm doing well. Thank you for the intro. And I was thinking about that. Thankfully, the, the chart came out for the uh, first week of January. So it's by the time this drops, it'd be a couple weeks ago. But uh, hallelujah, homecoming, bump back up to number one. So starting the year off with the Southern Gospel number one and oh, happy sweet. for that. Congratulations. So, yeah. yeah. So ended the year and started, you know, just kind of rolled over. But now I can say I've had number one two years in a row. <laughs> yes, you can. It was like two weeks in a row, but hey, different years. That counts. It is also different years. That is also accurate. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we're pretty blessed about that. He had number ones in 2020 and 2021. What? What? Yeah. So there we go. So, That's called winning before you're spinning. Like, <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Hopefully it's not the last one of this year, but we'll see. <laughs> All right. What are we going to learn today? All right. So. I think sometimes as songwriters, we get too far into the Nashville bubble and just start writing what we think will impress other songwriters and publishers. But we really, sometimes we just overthink it. We're just mm -hmm. thinking too much. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. I've had some recent experiences with that. And I just thought it was worth diving into because I know a lot of writers fall victim to that trap. And I want to try and set you free. 
Oh, I love it. All right. Well, before we get to that, let's take care of a little business. As always, thank you, thank you, thank you to American Songwriter Magazine and their podcast network. We're super proud to be one of the flagship shows that was migrated over to this platform when they began it. And man, we just love being a part of this brand. This is a 36-year-old brand. Every time I see the cover of the magazine, I'm like, yes, we're here. (laughs) We rock. (laughs) But um, thank you for that, guys. Make sure that you join the Climb community if you haven't done so. This is a thriving Facebook community that's singers, songwriters, indie artists, indie musicians. We're on there sharing information, sharing news, sharing ideas. People are hooking up with songwriting connects, even internationally, they're getting co-writes and stuff, working Mm -hmm. with each other, having some success from that, asking questions about promo, marketing, different strategies, getting great answers. I feel like the climbers that are on that platform are well-versed. And every time that we've ever chimed in on an answer, I I don't think I've ever disagreed with anybody. I just am like, (laughs) yeah, what they said. And maybe I got something to add to it, but pretty solid information there. And you got to ask to be let in, but we let everybody in. And what do we got going on in the in the wind section there, brother? Yeah, so every Wednesday we post the new height segment. So we invite you to share your music-related wins for the week, big or small. We love them all. And so this one, it's from a couple of weeks back now by the time this comes out, but we still love them and want to celebrate them. So let's see. Johnny Matt Music says, uh, I received weekly spotlight for January 2nd on American Songwriter Writers Room. And he, he has a link there for that. I turned him on to that. I turned him on to that. So that's cool. Good job. I saw that. I saw that in my email that we get from American Songwriter. Mm-hmm. And then I recognized the name and I'm like, wait, I, I know this cat, like from the climb community. And I think from some emails I got from him, because remember, he was the one that reached out to me and was like, hey, it's been like five weeks. Have, have we reached a quota or something? Can I get it? Because we just had a little <laughs> yeah. admin issue there. We fumbled the football a little bit. And I was like, wow, thanks so much for doing that. And then literally I saw him like, dude, is that you? He's like, what? Wait, what? I sent him the link. He's like, that's me. I'm like, awesome. You know, so congratulations. You're famous. You didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Dude, just got in. He's already winning. Uh, let's see. I Patrick know. Adams said, I've started a YouTube channel. I got my first video posted. Now I have to follow the advice from Brent and Johnny that they gave on the last Climb podcast about lighting up my game. So, uh, or lighting to up my game. Talk about perfect timing. Congrats to all Wednesday. There you go. Okay. First of all, shout out to the lighting. And also, um, what's his name? Patrick Adams. Patrick Adams. Everything you do on your YouTube channel, duplicate that as well on your Facebook video platform. Same playlists, same content. But it's just another upload. That's all. Same same content. Just you know, you're multi-purposing it. But don't forget your Facebook video platform too. It's going to be important. Awesome. And here's the last one we'll do. This is from Tokun Tokunbo Akinrose. So I apologize for butchering your name. It deserves better than the treatment I just gave it. But anyway, it looks like she says here. I said at my first ticketed live stream concert just before Christmas, and it surpassed all my expectations. After many sleepless nights and with a little help from my uncle, who's a sound engineer, I conquered technology and managed to produce CD quality audio and pro video. I did print and radio PR and managed to get press features. I emailed my fans. I did offline marketing for my super fans as well as social media. I used Eventbrite for ticketing, set up tiered tickets that also included merch and. I set up an automated email series inviting people to tell their friends and join my email list. After the concert, I managed to sell additional CDs and vinyl. Financially, it was a huge success and made up for the loss of four months worth of concerts. Yeah. That is a freaking vulgar display of prowess to come to combo. 
Tecumbo, whatever, yeah. however you say it. I think I put that, Amen. I commented on that. I see that in your comments. Yeah. Vulgar display of prowess. I mean, that's like, here's a how-to. Here's a little map for you in the wind. Yeah. Not just a win, it's a road match. She's dropping breadcrumbs for you. Uh, and, and I'll bet that she hadn't done this a hundred times before. Well, she just uh, apparently tried not. That it. was the first one. First ticketed <laughs> she live She just tried it. And look, look at what happened. Mm-hmm. Goodness gracious, people. What are you selling i love it climbers are climbing yeah all right so uh, moving on here subscribe to the podcast wherever you like to consume your podcast to make sure you get every single episode in there you don't miss a beat make sure that you leave a rating and review we're trying to get to 200 and tell a friend about it like if you like this if you're getting value out of this if this matters to you then it might matter to somebody else too and it's going to mean a hell of a lot more coming from you than if they hear from us Mm because you know we're great. Just ask us. We'll tell you. But <laughs> if you say we're great, that's cooler. Exactly. <laughs> so, all right. Well, let's put the spaghetti in the machine here. What is, uh, how do I overthink a hit song? All right. So again, sometimes we get too far, like in the, I call it the natural bubble. Cause that's, you know, the bubble I work in and you start writing what you think will impress other songwriters or the songwriter in the room with you, your co-writers or what you think will impress publishers. We try to be really clever. We try to be really different and we really just really try hard. And and I love good hard effort, right? I mean this mm-hmm. this is competitive. This is the big leagues. You got to try. But sometimes we just plain overthink our songs and it hurts our chances of actually getting them cut. So, this is a little while back. I was in a co-write or just having a chat with Canadian country star Aaron Goodwin. So Aaron's a young artist who's carving out an award-winning career north of the border. He's won like songwriter of the year or song of the year, some of that stuff. And so, you know, he's doing well. He's having number ones and having hits up there. And so hopefully he's going to start making waves down here in the U.S. soon. So I'm a, I'm a big Aaron Goodwin fan. I've known him for, I don't know how long now, long time. He's a good dude, works his butt off and a great artist, great singer. So anyway, we're, I think we were writing back before COVID and I asked him how playing out on the road has changed how he wrote songs. And he's like, yeah. oh, yeah, there's a difference. And basically, he's trying not to overwrite his songs. So his thing is like, man, people go to shows and they just want to have a good time. They want to sing along. He said he'll play a brand new song and be like, hey, this is a brand new song. Nobody's heard this yet. Here it goes. And people will start singing along like from the beginning, even though they've never heard it before. And they're getting the words all wrong. They're just like, I got a beer in my <laughs> hand and I'm singing along. <laughs> just because I want to sing along. He's like, that's how much they want something to sing along with and participate and be part of the thing, you know? Like, they've never heard this before. I just told them they've never heard this before. And they're still, like, trying their best to, to stumble along, sing along. They want to have a good time. They want to participate. How beautiful is that, mm-hmm. right? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So his thing is give them something they can sing along with. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so he said he could play Achy Breaky Heart or Alan Jackson's good time, G to G double O T, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. he can, G to the O to the O to the D, that whole weird stuff, you know, mm-hmm. he can play it like three times in a row and the crowd would just love it. They don't need the highbrow bluebird songs. We call them like, Ooh, that's a bluebird song, which means it's very crafty, but it's probably not a hit. Super deep. Yeah. Super deep, <laughs> probably not going to get cut. Probably not a hit, but it's super crafty. So it's a bluebird song. And some bluebird songs are great, but people come out, they want to have a good time. Now, there's going to be some variation to this, obviously, for certain artists, certain lanes, the vibe, you know, that sort of thing. But on the whole, for mainstream live shows, especially for like country artists and that kind of stuff, people, they want to go, they want to party, they want to have a good time, they want to sing along. 
Okay. Yeah. So that got me thinking that, okay, maybe I'm overthinking too many of my songs. Cause as a writer, I'm not a performer. I got five kids, so I don't go out to a lot of shows, right? I just, life is busy. I need to be home if I'm, you know, which going to shows actually is working for me, but yeah, me you know, it's research, but I don't go out to a lot of shows. I'm kind of a homebody when I'm not working. So I'm, I'm spending time with other writers and, you know, we're trying to hold each other to a high standard, of course, you know, to write the best songs we can, but sometimes we can forget that the fan wants to have a good time. Yeah. They want to hold up a beer and sing along. You got 40 hours worth of troubles to drown. Exactly. Or if <laughs> it's a, 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 a gospel thing, they want that stand-up moment, hallelujah moment. Yep. CCM thing, they want to raise their hands and they want to praise God. And how can we do that simply? It's something they can sing along with. Every genre kind of has their version of that, right? So it's not just mm-hmm. like country. Up all night, sleep all day. Yeah. Up so. all night, sleep all day. I love that. that. You know, you're hosting a party if you're an artist, right? Yeah. I'm here to facilitate you having a good time. So you're the most famous person in the room. Exactly. So it's like sometimes I I try to get so deep and intricate or mind blowing, you know, with the idea or with the approach or whatever that I forget that in a live show, folks just want to have fun. Cindy Lauper is right. Girls just want to have fun. And so do boys. So if you don't know who that is, look her up. Um, so, <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I can't believe that just happened. <laughs> Cindy Lauper. What are you doing to me? <laughs> yeah. So I was at a co-write yesterday and we we're talking about this very thing. So I was, uh, I was with an artist and his producer, we we're working and the artist brought in an idea that honestly, it, it didn't kill me. It felt like it was pretty done. Like I've heard this idea a lot. So it's definitely not an idea that I would have brought in. I had all these like really, you know, trying to like bluebird ideas, not bluebird <laughs> ideas necessarily. Some were like, okay, if you want to go to a deep introspective place, I got a couple ideas for that. Maybe more bluebirdy, but if you want to go there, I got those. I got the here's a blue collar anthem. Here's positive love. You know, I, but they're all like, you probably have never heard these titles before, and these could be anthems and you know this that kind of stuff. Just really trying to aim to bring compelling ideas in. And so his idea wasn't mind-blowing or really super original or any of that stuff. So it's nothing I would have brought in. But it was one that he thought would connect to his fans. He's like, a simple love song, right, with no big tricks or gizmos or whatever. He's like, just give me, because he's a singer. He's like, I just need a melody I can kill and just say the simple thing. Yeah. So that we, Yeah, we've heard before, but it's going to be his version of it with him singing the crap out of it. And he knows his fans would love it. Why? Because he did a show recently and uh, we're kind of talking about the Kmart crowd because there's a song that he played that he and I had written that is, is very much just kind of blue collar. It's not highbrow, you know, it's a very much country blue collar and it's a different idea, but it's a love song, but it's, it's framed in a different way, but yet still very kind of like blue collar, whatever. And the people ate it up. They're like, is that on your record? I know five people who would buy that, you know, because it it just spoke to them. But it's not like people are like, oh, my gosh, that's the house that built me. Right. Yeah. But it connects to his fans. He sent me a video of it and people were like, "Woo!" you know, and the first time they'd heard the song. He's like more of that, but like a different thing. Let's do this different kind of love song that I can sing because he's talking about how and we all know him like these songs on the radio. You're like, how is that a hit? Again, like there yeah. have got to be a thousand of these floating around Music Row, but that's his version of it. And the producer in the room tells the story of he was writing with this other hit writer years ago. So like early in his career, 
So this guy's had a bunch of hits and they're working on, on, on an idea that Phil had been done several times before. And he brought it up like, man, this, this idea has kind of been done a bunch. You know, this kind of thought behind a song, it's kind of been done a bunch. You know what that hit writer said? I see what, I see what's happening. Like you guys are already overthinking it. Yeah. You know what the hit writer said? What? Yeah. But the 18 year olds haven't heard them yet. Yep. They haven't heard it yet. They haven't heard these songs. Yeah. Like little brother yeah. wants his own songs. Little Brother doesn't yeah. want Big Brother songs. For example, uh, that Luke Combs songs that came out, I guess, last year, I Ain't Going Nowhere. Mm-hmm. When I hear that, I think of Lone Star's I'm Already There. Like, first thing I thought of when I heard that song was like, yeah, I liked it when Lone Star did it. Or actually, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, Lone Star kind of did that. It feels done. But I looked it up last night. They released that in 2001. There's like 19 years between those songs. Right, somebody who was born the year that they released is a full-on country music fan right now. Exactly. There are like 18, 19-year-olds who have never heard of Lone Star. That's the Lone Star song. And and he's not I'm he's not plagiarizing. He's not stealing their song. No, but it's it's one of those where you're like, oh, it immediately comparison. Oh yeah, Lone Star kind of did a, a similar type of story song. Yep. He didn't steal their song. There's no copyright kind of thing or anything. But it just evokes that enough where I'd be like, I don't know if I'd write that or bring that in because, boy, Lone Star did that. And they took it to like it was a big hit for them in number one. But you know what? Those 18 year olds, they don't know it. Or even if they did, it's like 19 years ago. You know, yeah. like they want their own. And so to, the, forever, them, it's, to them, it's just a Luke Combs song that they love. Can I go off on like a strange tangent here just for a second? Yeah, man. So this past weekend, one of my friends was up from Florida. I used to date her sister back in the day when I was an artist, and she came up and oh, was kind of on the pro couch tour. She lived up here for a while and was bartending, and then COVID you know, kind of kicked her out. Mm-hmm. But she has a bunch of health stuff going on, like braces, and all her doctors are up here now. And so she comes back up for like a week at a time occasionally to, you know, so this is a rock chick, right? She's so plugged in. I've known her for 30 years. I love her to death. And I was on like the last stop of her pro couch tour, mm-hmm. you know, like while she was up here for the week, taking care of all her, all the stuff she needed to take care of, all her stuff's in storage. You know, it's just like she's in this permanent holding pattern for a little bit, oh, like a lot of people. But she knows all the rock people. Mm-hmm. So we have lots of mutual friends in the rock community. And she's like, hey, there's this band coming up to Franklin and there's supposed to be like this young little cute hair, band. she loves the hair bands, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and she goes, you know, do you want to go hang out? And I'm like, yeah, I'll go check that out. And her boyfriend flew up cause they were getting ready to drive back home. And so we all went there and dude, straight up, I, like you couldn't smack the smile off of my face. I'm at this place mm-hmm. in Franklin called Dolan's and I didn't even know it was like a music venue, but there it is. And there's this band and I'm talking like young bucks, man. I don't know that these kids were all even 21. Okay. Long haired hairband guys. Yeah. Dude, they're that young. And I'm like, it's so fun. And they were good. <laughs> and I'm like, this is so fun. And they're doing like, you know, they're doing some of their own stuff, but they're doing boatloads of covers. And I'm talking like straight up hair band, you know, cherry pie and Van Halen and, <laughs> and, and they're doing all that stuff. And I'm like, this is so exciting to see this from somebody who's not old and fat with no hair, you know? <laughs> Because these kids had it all going on. They're doing the Metallica. They're doing Slayer. I mean, it was so cool, dude. And I was like, God, maybe it's coming back. And it just made me think of that when you were talking about, hey, the, the 18-year-olds haven't heard it yet. That's true. Yeah. 
I mean, Little Brother wants his own song. Little Sister wants her own song. So that's going to be her breakup song. That's going to be his first time falling in love song. That's going to be their night moves. It's going to be their version of Friends in Low Places. Yeah. You know, that's the thing when sometimes we, we overthink it. And we start going, well, you know, I mean, that's been done. that kind of angle or that kind of thought's been done. I mean, shoot, Earl Thomas Conley did that back in 1982. It's like, well, what? Yeah. no one knows, <laughs> you know. So, so back to the song we were writing yesterday. Like, it's our take on an idea that's been done before. Like, we're not stealing anyone's melody or lyric or anything like that. It's a fresh song on a. I mean, how many songs are the similar topics, right? Well, hold on. It's also competition. Like, you know what I'm thinking about right now is Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields. Mm-hmm. Weren't those two, like, I, I think Paul wrote Penny Lane and the Beatles and John wrote Strawberry Fields. Hmm. And w- I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg, but one person wrote it because the other guy wrote that. And he's like, okay, I'm going to write that song. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like a competition thing. Yeah. So I think I got those two songs right. I'm pretty sure Strawberry Fields is one of them. And, uh, I think Penny Lane is the other one. Don't if I'm wrong, just comment in the in the climb community and straighten me out. But that's competition. That's good. Like let's springboard off of that. Yeah, let's do that and write a better kind of a thing. Yeah, and, and so I mean, it was amazing. Like it took us a long. We we were fighting it. Like okay, the artist wants to do this sort of thing, and I get it. Like I can sell this. My fans will love it. Yeah, that kind of idea has been been done, of course, but they haven't heard me do it. Yeah, I can own this, and my version can connect with my fans because it's it's a very relatable idea, which is why it's been done before, right? I mean, we're not reinventing the the wheel here, and that's right. Sometimes a wheel just rolls, like just you just want a wheel, but I want your wheel, you know, I want your version of that. But I could tell we we're like we were kind of fighting it, like we we were trying to figure out the course and and just to really lock in on just like kind of how simple it was and not to keep upgrading it in a way and to override, overthink it. Oh, huh, chill. Stop overthinking. Yeah. It actually yeah. really is this simple. Let's just try just saying this, like, you know, stop trying to say too much. Stop trying to say it in a convoluted way. Just freaking tell her she's beautiful and do it with a killer melody and write a verse that's super relatable and interesting, but simple and real life and conversational. Like it's harder than it looks not to go, well, this is really different, <laughs> you know, and just go, yeah, yeah. okay. It's probably not going to win. Who knows? It might win awards. It maybe could win like single of the year. It may not win song of the year, but I would take a single of the year. Heck yeah. And, and listen, there's also intention behind that too. Like I'm thinking of two stories right now. I'm thinking of the story I heard about Ashley McBride when she sat down to write Girl Going Nowhere, the day they wrote Girl Going Nowhere. Mm-hmm with her co-writers and they sat down, they were just talking about how it was always her dream to sing at the Opry. And, and that's how that story came. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, then we need to write the song right now today that you're going to sing at the Opry. Yeah. And so then all of a sudden it's girl, go- it's all her story about how she got there. Yeah. And then I remember in Kid Gypsy in my band, when we toured, like we specifically wrote a song that was like the show closer song. Mm-hmm. This is the big, this is the big, anthem at the end that we're always going to sing at the end and it became a thing because we thought about that in advance this will sell this will go over like crazy and and it'll become this hook that people love about it they know the show's not over until we sing this song Uh, and so that kind of intention i think it's mixed in there it's 
it's a, I'm deviating a little bit from the, oh, this has kind of been done before, mm. but in a way that it has. Like, what's your show opener? Yeah. Right? Like, what's that one song? Like, have you written that song purposefully to come out and know this is what we're going to do to get everybody off their seats and mm. get them going? Yeah. yeah. This is the gas in the engine. Here we go. And it's, it's that song. You know, I love that. Like, that is... That's intentional art, and and it's about that live show. And if you're playing live, or you're trying to write songs for people who are playing live, these are the conversations you need to be. Having. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Oh, for sure. And it's, it's not like we're, we could sound like we're just being uh, mercenary about this, right? Because this yeah. is this conversations we're having, but this conversation happens in rooms. But you know, he had recently put out a song that he's like, this is like the best well-written song that I've been a part of. And it didn't do much. Mm-hmm. He was, but this other stuff of mine has done well. Like and the stuff that sounds like honky donk padonkadonk yeah. is crushing it. <laughs> so I mean, there's room on an album. Let's do both, but let's today let's write just a meat and potatoes right down the middle, and it's something that he could relate to. So he wasn't just pulling it out of thin air, going the country people will like it. No, it was like it's a super relatable idea. He can relate to it. I'm like, oh, dude, I see this. I've been here. Yeah. So we are pulling from personal experience. And and so there's a lot of real life in there. It's not just something, a widget we're making up for just mass consumption. It's like, well, yeah, there's a lot of real life in there. And that's why we think it is fit for mass consumption because we all relate to it. We know a ton of other people relate to it as well. But we're not looking down our nose at that. Yeah. So he'd be surprised, again, how hard it was to write a simple course. We have to keep ignoring the alarm bells in our heads that we're going, clang, 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 clang. This is too simple. Yeah. This is too dumb. <laughs> this is too Walmart. This is too, you know, whatever. Like, this is cookie cutter or whatever. Yeah. We're just going to lean in because it's – but you know what? The fans are probably going to love it. It's one song. It's one f- effing song. Yeah. Like, stop – 
spinning around and, and, and tying yourself down, just do it. If it turns out that it sucks, you don't ever have to sing it. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't ever have to sing it. Like nobody needs to know. You're not going to go to hell for creating something uh, that blows. Right. You're not. So you just go and you write it. And I know I, I, I can hear that conversation. Like you guys are having a much more like sort of highbrow, very sophisticated conversation about it. But how many times have climbers that have listened to this podcast been in a writing room where somebody's really just coming from the snobby look down your nose point of view of it? Well, that's already been done. Yeah. So we can't do that. Well, why not? Yeah. I mean, up all night, I'm sure in any way wasn't influenced by the Kiss song, Rock and Roll All Night, Party Every Day. They're anthems. I, I when with my artists, when I know I'm missing something and I've got them on like the writer tour and I'm plugging them into different writers, I'm, it's, I'll be like, I need, I need the rock anthem. I need this big, this is what I'm missing. I need the big this or that or whatever. This is what I want you to try to write, you know, because I, I'm, I'm looking for that piece aesthetically to put the EP together or the record together. So yeah. it's a big piece of, of the marketing part of it too, which writers and artists don't want to hear about, mm -hmm. but it, it, you, you want to have that. You want to have that there. And so, you know what, just do it, just write it. If it sucks, who cares if you don't like it, Chris Stapleton will never sing honky tonk, but honky donk ever. Yeah. I don't think you'll ever hear him doing it, but he co-wrote that some bitch. Well, no, Stapleton did. <laughs> That was Dallas Davidson, Randy Hauser, and that was Stapleton. No way. Stapleton. I'm telling you, I mean, you you probably gonna beat me on this. Y'all come on, to the I'm... climb community, and uh, <laughs> no, it was Jamie Johnson. <laughs> that's who you. Think oh, of. Jamie Johnson. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay, Another right, guy right. that I mean, yeah, is long beard and heck of a singer. Jamie Johnson never gonna sing honky donk, put honky donk, right? He's kind of he. I put him sort of over in the same. Yeah, Chris Stapleton space. It's much more serious and he's much more of an artiste, yeah. let's say. But he wrote that song and not for nothing. Like, here's the other thing. I got a feeling. I don't know where this story is going, Brent, but I got a feeling you guys wrote something killer and this artist loves it. And this is going to be for this artist. Mm -hmm. But they wrote those guys wrote Honky Donk, but Honky Donk. And and he'll never sing that. But he damn sure getting paid on oh, it. He's happy. Every because it, yeah. And it, it became. A big hit for um, Trace Atkins. Who's that? Trace it Atkins. All comes full circle and, from the intro, Trace Atkins. Yeah. And so maybe you write this killer song that's totally cooker cutter that's not your brand, but because you got the hell out of your own way and you did something great, it becomes that could be like a door opener, could open the whole flood, create the capital you need for your artist stuff. I mean, Stay out of your own way. Yeah. And that's, write that song. It's just like, can we just write something that is fun to sing and for the crowd would want to sing along with? Yeah. Oh, like, and I go back a ton of times to that Steve Holy single that was out. It was like 1999 or 2000, a long time ago, but it's called Good Morning Beautiful. And I was uh -huh. living in Little Rock and that song went number one. It was simple ballad. Good morning, beautiful. How was your night? Mine was wonderful with you by my side. When I open my eyes and see your sweet face, it's a good morning, beautiful day, right? So it's a yeah. sweet ballad love song. And I didn't get it. I was single. I didn't, whatever. So I asked this girl, there's a friend of mine, Heather. Heather, why do you get all dreamy-eyed when that song comes on? She goes, because it's what I want to hear. 
<laughs> so simple. And you're like, oh, oh damn. You mean, <laughs> and that's no deceptively <laughs> simple, right? What do I, uh-huh. I want to hear guys say that to me? That's super sweet. But as writers, we're, we're all kind of snobs in our own way. To go, because after we wrote this thing, we, we finally busted through, we, we got that sucker done, and we're laying down the work tape, and they're like, what do you think about that? I was like, you know, that'd be one that I would hear on the radio and go, I can write stuff better than that. Yeah. But it just went number one. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can live with that. So it's, it's not even about writing. That's the thing. Our, I, I drive your truck can be a hit. Thank God. Right. Mm-hmm. The house that built me can be a hit. Thank God. I love that. But you know what? So can she thinks my tractor's sexy. Yeah. So can beer never broke my heart. Yep. Don't think yourself out of a hit. They could happen both places. Your job as a pro songwriter, if that's what you aspire to be, isn't to write great songs. It's to write hit songs. It's to write songs that make money. Yeah. So it's yep. wonderful when your hit songs are also considered great. That's like the pinnacle. That's when you artistically are very proud of what you've done and financially very rewarded. That's that's a brass ring, right? And when you get one of those great ideas, like a I drive your truck kind of thing or whatever, you yeah, swing for the freaking fences. Yeah. And try to write that song of the year. But don't forget sometimes you just write a hit. Yeah. Like there's nothing wrong with that. You know what? Yeah, this is not meant to be the house that built me. Today I'm riding she thinks my tractor's sexy. Or I don't know, whatever. And this is, look what the cat dragged in from Poison. That's where we're going with this. Yeah, like, this should, just, <laughs> this should be a banger live that people are going to love. And here we go. I mean, drinking my hand for Eric Church yep. is nowhere near Kill a Word or Monsters. I freaking love that song, though. That's but like, it's great. that was my theme song for a couple of years. <laughs> you know, it's. I mean, you can imagine that. Oh, yeah. It's not highbrow. It's not the art of uh, some of it. Yeah. 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 You know, like, there's some like high art, like really well crafted and brilliant. Is Drinking My Hand brilliant? I don't know, but it was a hit and it was great and it's a banger and you know it kills live. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I don't need to be so snobby. Now, I do have an advantage in this situation. I was riding with the artist and the producer. So mm-hmm. this definitely changes the math. Okay. So this artist, he knows his audience. He's been out in front of him night after night for years. And, and he's the guy to sing it. And he has an idea of what's going to connect to his audience. Now it still has to get through labels and, and stuff. This is not the only song he's writing for his project, you know, but it's a shorter mm-hmm. path to victory for this one. So I'm honestly not sure if what we wrote yesterday would impress a lot of folks on Music Row, if they're going to go, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. And it probably wouldn't impress a lot of other writers. Again, if I heard somebody else put that on the radio, I'd be like, yeah, that was great. I like it when I've heard it before. <laughs> you know, I like the other versions of that. Yeah. Come on, come up with something new. As it climbs the charts and makes his fans happy. And that's his version of that for his show. Yeah, and you're, but you're judging it, right, like on the demo too. So like because you wrote with the artist and the producer, it's got a lot of a higher chance of getting cut. And then sometimes... Yeah. Man, when you cut it and the artist does their thing and all of a sudden it's like, nah, crap, you know, like, like if anybody else did honky donk, put honky donk, might not have worked. Exactly. Right. It might have been absolute crap. But Trace Atkins put his foot in it and made that work and his attitude and his. Yeah. Like it's very tongue in cheek. It's not. It doesn't come off as schmaltzy because it's freaking Trace Atkins. And what is he, like six, seven? Yeah, yeah. What you're not going to tell him to his face, it sucks. So, Or actually, <laughs> I mean, you're not going to talk to his belly button and say it sucks. 
as the hammer comes down from above. Yeah. Because so, he's he's a big old dude. And yeah, the artist like, give me, let me have one of those. Like, I want one of those. My love songs do well, but let's go really go hard to the paint on this one and just meatball right down the middle and let me sing my butt off this simple love song that the, that the audience the should eat up. Hey, give him the heater. You know, just like, okay, right down the middle. And hey, I got another, I got something else to add to that. Mm-hmm. Think of it as, as a tool in the toolbox of the artist, mm-hmm. right? So when I'm producing and the cats I hire, like the guitar cats, you look at James Mitchell or Brent Mason, man, they're coming in with like six to 10 guitars. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because I don't know what kind of flavor we're going to need today. Mm-hmm. To put this in there, this in there, this in there. You know what I mean? It's like these different, they're just different colors. Think about if you got a two car family, right? You, you might have one that's all for the kids and another one that's maybe a little sporty or something. Mm-hmm. It's, it's in the arsenal. Yeah. It's good to mix it up because to be able to go, like you were mentioning Eric Church, to be able to go from the word to drinking my hand, drinking my hand, you or, know, I'm that's a, a nice. Smoke. Yeah, or smoke a little smoke, man. You know, like you got to be able to have those ebbs and flows in the context of the whole live show mm-hmm. that keeps it going. And these are the arena acts, right? Yeah. So, so sometimes you're going to have the artist that's just going to be nothing but tear your flesh from bone, and everybody's going to be crying. I mean, it's going to be a little more artisty, mm-hmm. and some of it's just a lot more entertainment. Van Halen, like Eric Church or Poison. I mean, these are really great entertaining acts and even within the context of like a higher level artiste like i'm a big fan of tori amos i've been to a couple of her mm-hmm. shows she's still got some easier songs that are just not so deep and intuitive and make you think all the time they're just fun songs yeah um you know Cheryl Crow. david bowie an artiste yeah but he was sure on spectacle and showmanship and all this stuff too and let's dance i mean that's a that's not exactly deep there you go. I liked it when I was a kid. Yeah. Then you, have, then you have Major Tom and you have, you know, Lady Gaga. When you have an artist that can go back and forth, give them the gas to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was, and a good song is a good I song mean, is a good song. I of writing for a, like a point in a song, like I've been trying to think a lot more like, okay, these, if they go well, these are meant to be played live in a concert. Monday Morning yeah. Church for uh, as blessed as I've been to be a part of that song. I know Alan's played it some. You know, he's had so many hits that he's blessed. He don't have to play all of them. And yeah. I, I don't know if that's one that's going to stick around because it's kind of competing for the ballad slot. Mm-hmm. He probably has more ballads that are like love songs or that were just bigger songs, you know, that went number one. And But you have a better chance of the, the tempo, fun ones getting played. Yeah. So either get yep. the biggest song or get a fun one is a better chance to get played. So I don't know how much like Monday Morning Church doesn't get as much recurrent as Maybe another song of his that reached similar chart position, but was a fun, you know, itty bitty or whatever, tall, tall trees. Yeah. And that's just the way radio and shows work. And that's, that's fine. I'm glad to, you know, that I got the cut. Believe me, I'm glad about that. But also, no, and by the way, you I, get paid on that. You get paid on those live shows. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's another cash register, right? Mm-hmm. So I was right with an artist and and trying to think of live show, and let's not overthink this. I don't have to bring in the dance every time. I don't have to bring in I Drive Your Truck. Okay, well, you know what? He need, Let's write a show opener for his next album. Yeah. And so I wrote a song specifically with a title that lends itself to being the first song you play. Like you're talking about, here's the on-ramp, here we go. Yep. 
And it would fit perfectly. And that's how I sold like, dude, here's your show opener. Here's this idea. Boom. Oh, yeah. Because it's saying we're we're basically we're already having a good time. We're just getting started. It's, yep. it's already awesome, basically. And it could be if you're opening for somebody or if you're the headliner and it's your first song. This is a show opener. This is what this is for. And, you know, like, yeah. Kenny Chesney with Here and Now. We've talked about that. We have a podcast episode on that. Like, you know that mm-hmm. as a show opener. Yep. It's like, mm-hmm. here we go. Yeah. And so yep. achieving lift. I'm off. happy to be here. I'm blessed to have you here. Let's rock. Boom. Here we go. Here and you now. Get a no better place in yeah. the world right now than here and now. Like, that's a show opener. Yep. I think it was the first song on the record, too. Of course. So, yeah. you know, thinking about those specific spots, like, yeah, I'm not trying to write because different songs have different purposes. We don't all have to be We Are the World or whatever. So, yeah. So, again, you have to know that I'm in a little different situation. If I'm writing with the artist, maybe I can get some of those through because it's his version of it. It's his melody that he loves and know, and it, you know, putting his special sauce on it that he knows will connect with his fans. And, and we've talked about it before, uh, after the, especially after the Woody Bomar play for a publisher event I did. So I don't, I don't know what episode that was, but about how, kind of what it takes to cut through is stuff like uh-huh. uh, more hearts than mine is stuff like I drive your truck is stuff like Homecoming Queen by Kelsey Ballerini. If you're going to write yeah. a truly outside song, yeah, it does take something pretty dang magnificent to break through. But then when you get on the inside, <laughs> maybe you can break through with an achy, breaky heart. You know, maybe you can. And, and I hope so. Keep writing them because when you get in the room with the artist, they may need just that show opener banger. And if you can do that, like Johnny was talking about having that tool in your tool belt, the conversation changes a little bit. Like, yeah, you bring me your Monday morning church idea, Brent, but also I need something to open my show with, or I just need something for to close my show with or something just to get them singing along and feel good. And by the way, I would rather I, in the writer room, I would rather entertain a conversation with somebody that's like, I, I've written 20 of those uh-huh. and I don't want to write that today as opposed to that's been done before. <laughs> yeah. And the whole, you know, musician in the back of the room, I can do that. Like, okay, prove it. Yeah, because an artist still needs their version of that. Yeah. If it's a trope, if it's the kind of like, yeah, you know, everyone's got one of those. Great. That means it's going to be in demand. Like if you could write somebody's version of that, that they need yeah. to hit some of those buttons. Every, and why does everybody have one like that? Because they work. Because they work. Because they're, <laughs> they're timeless ideas and always relevant to people, always identifiable. And yeah, but they haven't heard artist X's version of that and his particular melodic sensibilities and production and his or her, whatever they bring to it, you know, like they haven't heard their version. Yeah. That was, yeah. We got Lone Star's version 20 years ago. I want my version. Mm-hmm. I want but my favorite artist version it. of it. Okay. That's a really good point. So sometimes we do overthink it, I think. Um, so again, yeah. Would the song we wrote yesterday, we impress a lot of folks on music row or impress a whole lot of writers and make go, Oh my gosh, you got to hear this. Probably not. But you know what? I think this artist fans will love it. And at the end of the day, isn't that what matters? Because like I'm in the service business. Yeah. And then it gets in the radio and it becomes a hit. And then you know what? Everybody's going to be impressed with the check on Music Row. Mm-hmm. And all the writers are going to be envious about the check. Yeah. It, you know what it does? <laughs> it allows me to write more songs, some of which I'm going to try and write. I drive your truck. Because some days that will be the it. It gives me more tickets. I get to play the game that I love 
longer. Yes. There. Okay. So, so riding that artistic fence. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of Hollywood actors will do this. They'll do the big cookie cutter blockbuster yeah. Marvel thing. And that affords them the ability to go do this super artsy thing for just back end money or scratch that artistic itch that yeah, so among they can other do, circles or yes. an award kind of play. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And one of my best buddies, I started, we started our first band together in like seventh grade. He's arguably one of the top 10 ad guys in the country right now. So super creative, mm-hmm. right? He's been through all the big agencies, man, all the big ones. He's been through them before he got to his own agency. And I mean, this cat was doing stuff like when banks compete, you win. That was him. Nice. Uh, GM credit card. That was him. He did when Sirius merged with XM Satellite Radio, all those cool commercials with Snoop Dogg and David Bowie and Elton John. Man, that was him. Those were his creatives and his partners. So it's like a like a singer songwriter or like the, the words and music people mm-hmm. like same thing. He does like the creative artwork. And his buddy has got the words, right? He's like the lyric guy or whatever, but they're for ads. And they do this crap all the time. So here's what's really funny. And this is what's really interesting. They would go and do for nothing. They could do like mom and pop's bicycle shop in whatever city they're living in because they get free reign to do something that's super edgy Mm. and super cool because all the big accounts – all the big corporate mm-hmm. accounts, they all want the kind of artists that will do the super edgy crap that, and they win awards with that. I think they're called the ACE awards or something, man. They win. He's won boatloads of awards, almost never from the big corporate accounts. Why? Because they want you to tone it back. Yeah. Cause they want you know to appeal I mean? to a broad swath of whatever. They're yeah. They're not going to let you be that edgy with them, but they're not interested in you unless you've won awards for having some edgy crap, which is really funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? well, so we talked about this on the podcast before. Sometimes those like amazing, I drive your truck songs are in a way like resume songs that hopefully opens a yeah. door so you can get in and write a stupid banger that, you're not like, wow, that's the best thing I've ever written. But wow, it it was a hit. So it allows me to write more. So, you know, it's a weird thing how that works. Now, I love when my stuff that I feel is really well written, really well crafted. And we tried to craft the crap out of the one yesterday in a certain way. Like we tried to hit a certain target, which was still fun because you're still mm-hmm. problem solving. You're still writing a song and you're laughing all the way through it because you're having a good time doing what you love. But we're trying to hit just a different target. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And I think it's funny how that works. I mean, so, you know, also don't be offended when you do write that I Drive My Truck song and that's what gets you in the room. And they're like, okay, now what we're going to do is we're going to sit down and write the next honky donk, padonk, donk. Yeah. <laughs> don't be pissed off. Just shut up and write and, and flex that muscle and do your thing and get on with your career. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, yep. So basically don't get so high and mighty with your writing that you forget to just give the listener what they want every now and again. Yeah, I love it. And do all of it. That's the thing. Do all of it. I'm not saying only write the quote unquote dumbed down stuff. No, but try it every now and again. And don't be afraid yeah. to write the the more crafty artiste stuff either. We've got room for all of it. So don't be don't be too good for it. Yeah. So that's what I had. Love it. Thank you for listening to me rant. Hopefully I didn't make too many people angry, but if I did, hey, that's good. So I have a gift for you for hanging in there. It's uh, Think Like a Pro Songwriter. It is a free ebook. Basically share some of what I've learned over my years in the music business, and hopefully it can help you on your journey as well. 
It's free PDF download. Just tell me where to send it. We send it to you. You can get it at songwritingpro.com slash gift. Songwritingpro.com slash gift. If you can't remember that, just go to songwritingpro.com and you'll see it up at the top. But yeah, it's my gift to you. Awesome. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of another Killer Climb episode. Join the Climb community. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you consume podcasts. Leave a rating and review. Tell a friend about it. This podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.